I love the Christmas story. It is still the most amazing story in the world that God would send his son to serve us, to love us, to be among us. And and maybe one of the biggest parts of it is the fact that he announces himself first to homeless shepherd men. That's pretty amazing. We'll start right there in Luke 2 and 9. It says they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. And that has come true, all the people of the world. And the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you'll recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. I love the NLT for explaining to me. For all my life, I've wondered what swaddling clothes was. You'll find him in swaddling clothes. Now you know it is snuggly strips of cloth. Come on, say it with me. It is snuggly strips of cloth. Say that real fast. Uh, no, don't do that. Um, lying in a manger, verse 13. Suddenly, the suddenly, I can't get away from this word, suddenly. Everybody say suddenly. The Bible is filled with the word suddenly. It's like God is trying to tell us that he likes to do things suddenly. Like in one moment, things can change forever. And, and, and I wasn't really even, this is not in my notes, but this morning as I've read the word suddenly, it's like my spirit is arrested and somebody needs to hear that God can change things for you that you think are going to take so many steps and so much time and he can make it happen suddenly. In just a moment, everything in your life can change. I need somebody to believe it, say, I'm here and I receive it. Suddenly, he says, suddenly an angel was joined with a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven. And say these three words with me, church, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. This December, I'm going to be leaning in to this thought, peace on earth, even in 2020. Man, we need peace now more than at any other time. I mean, everybody knows it. From the highest executives on Wall Street to the Waffle House waitress this morning who served me my breakfast and said, you're preaching on peace. She said, as soon as I get off work, I'm going home to to hear it. God bless you. I'm, I'm glad you're watching right now. Everybody knows it. What we need most is not another stimulus check. I'll take mine, but we don't have to have that. We need peace, don't we? We need God to just come down and smooth over the turmoil of our life. But have you ever recognized that your Bible... And all those wonderful pages of life and hope and promise, most all of that was written in times of turmoil. I mean, whether it's a a, a vast millions of people in a desert with no food to eat and they're asking God to literally rain food out of the skies, or it's an army attacking a defenseless people, or even at Christmas, I mean, we've got a, a, a ferocious king trying to kill a newborn baby and God says, okay, I'll put him in the arms of a 15 year old girl. And she'll lay him in a horse feeding trough. I mean, these words are not written in a time of, of cushy, you know, beautiful times. It's in the worst of times. And it occurs to me that if God could bring peace to those times, he can bring peace to our times. Right here, right now, your life, your circumstances, your family can have his peace. Now, I want to go to Psalm 46. It has some of our famous, uh, favorite famous words we like to quote. But I think we sometimes miss the context. Let me tell you before we read that psalm where where it's written. It's the year 701 B.C., 700 years before Christ. And it's a a tough time 
The king of Assyria has chosen to attack Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is completely afraid because Assyrians are ferocious and horrible warriors. They'll kill everybody. And, and they do it in such a ruthless way. In fact, they, 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 they send fear ahead of their attacks. They send these tablets where they're writing down, this is what we're about to do to you in graphic detail. And they draw pictures. And their favorite thing to do was to impale the men. You, you think about a fence post that is uh, sharpened down like a point and stabbing your entire body from the bottom to the top and sticking that fence post up for all to see. That's what they would do. And they would send words ahead. This is what we're going to do to you. And the things they did to women and children, I, I can't discuss in, 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 in the mixed company. And so Jerusalem was wrecked with fear. And they don't know what's going to happen next. And into that environment, God says this, Psalm 46 and 1. God is our refuge and strength. An ever-present help in trouble. Everybody say ever-present. That's two Hebrew words I want to dig into just a little bit. It's mayod. I want you to repeat these words so you'll have a little bit of Hebrew in you today. Say mayod, mayod, and uh, matzah, matzah, mayod, matzah. Let me take them backwards for you. Ever present. Present meaning matzah. It means to meet someone, to encounter them, or to experience it carries with it the idea that meeting this God is not like knowing him, meeting his name, or shaking his hand. You have to experience him. There are certain things that I can't tell you about. You have to, for yourself, experience it. Like I can talk to you about the church of the nativity in Bethlehem where I visited. And I can tell you what it looks like. And I can tell you about the history there and about the crusaders. But until you've walked in that building and heard the echo of your voice, until you have smell the candle wax that's been burning there for centuries until you've seen the artwork on the wall, the sculptures, the paintings, and until you've rubbed your hand into the wall where the crusaders carved their own personal cross in that wall. You can't possibly feel what I felt in that place. There's something about an experience that can't be explained. And here's the first thing I want you to write down in your notes today. And the first thing a person has to know about God, the real God can't be explained. He must be experienced. Can I hear an amen? amen? You can't just, you know, read all the books and, and come to an intellectual understanding and go through the history of God and get to God. You have to throw off all of your preconceptions and, and put down all your guardrails that separate you from God and say, God, here I am. Take me just as I am. You have to stop hiding. You have to stop trying to be something that you're not and experience him completely. That's what the word matzah, when it says he's an ever-present. His presence is unadulterated, unfiltered God and unfiltered you meeting each other together. That's what that experience was. And mayod means abundant. Everybody say abundant. One writer said it means the muchness of God. That's the literal Hebrew translation is muchness of God. In other words, God is more than you think Whatever your experience with him is today, there is more of God for you. That is so wonderful. Everybody in this place, everybody joining me online, you, whatever your thought of God is, whatever your personal experience is from God, whether you're just thinking about him today for the first time or you've been chasing after him for decades, there is more of God for you right now. 
In fact, I would tell you, there, no matter where you are on this grand spectrum of, of seeking God's presence, there, out of all of your experience with God right now, there is an abundance more of that than what you've experienced so far. Can I hear an amen? amen. This is what he says. He's that present in your life. And so this psalmist is speaking directly to a people and a season where they don't know what's going to happen. They know what's happened so far is freaking them out. And what they're hearing might be coming next is even worse. Doesn't it sound like us right now? Some of you, this is very personal for you. Like this 2020 has freaked you out, this pandemic, this crazy election our nation, where it seems like we're headed right now. And, and, and for some of you, it's very personal. It's your own life. It's, it's school and, and, and decisions that you have to make about your future. It's relationships. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your finances or your job. And in the middle of all that, God says, I'm going to be present. Not in the form of you encountering or meeting a religion or joining a system of man-made rules. You don't need more of that in your life. You need an experience and an encounter with the real God in a personal way. Amen. So, so who is God in 2020? If you're afraid, he's peace. If you are anxious, he is hope for you. If you're hurting, he's a comforter. If you're sick, he's still a healer. Can I hear an amen to that? If you're lacking, he's the abundant provider. If you have sinned and you are guilty and ashamed, he is righteousness for you that you can't be for yourself. He's salvation when you can't save yourself. To weak people, he's their strength. To hopeless people, he's hope. To people who are in a dark place, he's the light of your life. And to people who are in trouble, he is a refuge and a very present help for you to run into. He is what you need right now. You don't need church. You don't need a preacher. You don't need a religion. You need a God who shows up in a real and relevant way and changes the details of your life. So this Christmas season is not about another item on your to-do list. I can't get caught up, man. And I was behind before Christmas and now I got trees and I got Christmas gifts and I got parties and I got time off from work. That just means I got more work to catch up when it's a, that's not what Christmas is. Christmas is a reminder that God looked at were at the world and he saw that it was in chaos and it was hopeless. And he sent not a message, but he sent hope personified. He sent peace personified to this world. That's what Christmas reminds us. And in the middle of that, God says this, verse 6, the nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. Doesn't that sound familiar? And God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is, everybody say, here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. He's among us. That's why he's called Emmanuel, God with us. Us. He's here. See, here's the beautiful truth about Christmas. If you're taking notes, God didn't just shout his love from heaven. He showed his love on earth. He sent Jesus, the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice to become Emmanuel, God with us. And he's here right now. And I want you to notice this incredible <clears throat> paradox. Verse six says, when he speaks, the earth melts, the nations crumble. And verse, the, the, verse 7 says, he's here among us. Now that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. That, that his, he's so powerful that his very words shake the foundations of the earth and he's so present, he's in your life. Think about whoever it is that's famous. 
that you want to see. Somebody you really want to see. If my teenage daughter were to answer that question, it's Harry Styles. Oh my God. If Harry Styles were here, all the world's problems would go away. He'd wear his little dress that he likes to wear. Don't get me on Harry right now. I'm sorry. Uh, But let me tell you what. Harry doesn't even know she exists. Harry doesn't care anything about her. But there's somebody far greater than Harry Styles who does know you. He knows you intimately and personally. He's far beyond all of the fame of this world. And he's present in your own life. He knows about you on a personal level. Think about, think about whoever it is that's famous. If you're following that person with their own check mark on Twitter, you know, they're official. And you, you wanted to respond to something. They're not even going to know you responded. But there's someone far greater than them who hears every prayer you pray, watches over your shoulder for every uh, turmoil in your life, and he's going to respond when you need it. That's the God that we're serving. He's here among us. Why would he be so powerful to control the whole world and so personal to be in your life? Here's why. Write this down. He's big enough to oversee the whole world, but loving enough to care about you. Let that sink in just for a minute. He's that big, that powerful, that inspiring, and he's that personal to care about you. And that is why the psalmist says, come And see the glorious works of the Lord. Come and see him. Come and see what God has done. When you come toward him, unlike all the famous people and supposedly powerful people of our world, if you come toward them, they run away because you're too small-minded and too nobody for them. But when you come toward him, the Bible says, draw near to God and he will do what? Do anybody know? He'll draw near to you. And the psalmist says, come toward him. You'll find he's more than you need. Now, I I wanted to say all that so I could get to the hardest part of this psalm and the part I don't really like. It's one that we quote. It's the most famous verse in the whole psalm. We're about to say it together. But when you put it into context, I don't even like what it says. It's not what I want to do. Um, So uh, help me set this up. Look at your neighbor and say, he's coming for you right now. And he's, he's taking no names. She's coming right after you. Here it comes. It's 701 BC. You have just heard that the most ruthless superpower with hundreds of thousands of warriors are coming and they don't just want to take over. They want to slaughter everybody there. Maybe you're a man. You've got a wife. You've got children. You're a mom. You're caring about your family. Maybe you're a young person. You don't feel powerful enough. You don't have any army. You don't know what to do. And, and you're just ready to do something. Get ready. Hide. Climb a tree. Make a sword. Get ready to do something. And in the middle of that, God says this in Psalm 46 and 10. Be still and know that I am God. I want to be honest with you. That's the last thing I want to do in a moment like that. Be still. I want to get moving. I want to get control of the situation. In fact, even when things aren't terrible, I still like to be in control. Does any of you people like control as much as I do? I really prefer control. I I like it. All right. Some of you are like looking at your, your significant other so that they would lift their hands. That's how much you like to control, even them. You're welcome. Yeah, that's kind of all of us. We like to control circumstances. And right in the middle of that, God says, no, there are some things you are not meant to control. In fact, you can't even contribute. Your only contribution is to be still and know. Be still and know what? 
Know that God is God. Know that he's in control. Know that he's able. Know that he loved you. Know that he's present. Basically, it means to be still and have faith. Now, I like half of that. I love having faith. I love the thought that I'm a person of faith, that I move in faith, that I take steps of faith. My faith that I like to have is the 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 Apostle Peter faith, the walk on water. I like taking big steps. There's a certain energy behind it. That's not what this kind of faith means, though. This is the be still kind of faith. This is the trust that God's in control. And it really brings up what I think is the hardest assignment God ever gives me. And I I believe it is for you too. Number four, the hardest assignment for you is be still and know. Just be still and know. Now, I didn't say be worried and know. It, It didn't say be afraid and know that I am God. It didn't say freak out and know that I am God. It didn't say be an idiot on social media and know that I am God. There's a lot of people that do that. I mean, just scroll their page like Christian meme. Next thing, stupid comment. Be an idiot and know that that's not, that's not a thing in the scripture. It says be still. And the word still, the, the, the phrase be still is a, is a Hebrew word, rafa. Try that word. Say rafa. And, and, and of course, it means to be still. It means to relax, to be quiet. Let me show it to you like this. It, it literally means to sink down. I'm going to get in a chair. You guys are in a chair. So I'm going to get in a chair. <clears throat> and when, when stuff is going wrong or something's going down, here's how I like to be in my chair. Do that with me. Everybody square your shoulders up high, straighten up your back kind of lean forward a little bit, put one foot where you're ready. You men know what I'm talking about. Like you're in some kind of place you're not sure about. Some questionable character walks in. You men get like this. You're ready. You fix to go Liam Neeson on somebody. You're like you just, you're ready. Like this is how I like to do life. Let's get after it. Let's get this thing done. Let's be still is the Hebrew word rafa. And it literally means, watch this, sink down. Try it. Sink on down in your seat right there. Chill out and let God handle it. Give yourself a break and let God be God. Be still and know. Now, lean back up because I don't want y'all to take a nap on me. Sit back up. What God really wants out of us is Colossians 3 and 15. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule your hearts. Don't let what the news is saying rule your heart. Don't let your your job rule your heart. Don't let your checkbook rule your heart. Don't let your news feed and your social media account rule your heart. Don't let your friends rule your heart. Let the peace of God rule your heart. This week, Leslie was going through Starbucks and uh, she she was picking up a couple drinks for her and me. And there was this line. You know how the line will kind of converge sometimes. There's too many people. You can't all get in. And people are just, you know, there's nobody directing traffic. So this guy's just trying to get in. He's not trying to be pushy. He just wants to know, can he, you know, come on in the line? And this other lady is like, no. She's like wedges up to the car in front. And she's like, you ever got that resounding no? You know, but it was no more than that. She rolls down her window. This guy hadn't done a thing. Just kind of inched his car for it. She just rolls down her window, arm waving, and just, it's 35 degrees. Nobody's got their window down. Nobody can even hear her. She, and, and, and Leslie told me after this, she's like, that woman had something else going on besides Starbucks. It's true. 
Everybody's got something else going on right now, don't you? There's a lot of stuff going on. And it occurs to me that there's really two different ways to kind of handle what's going on in your life. There's the your own way, which is don't let anybody, I'm not taking no junk off of nobody. I've tried that way. You ever done that way? I could go to that. I could do that way this afternoon. I'll be honest with you. It's really easy for me to get into that mode. I'm just going to handle this and I'm going to take no junk off anybody. Then there's the God way. And here's what God's way is. Be still and know. Relax and let me be God for you. Chill out. I have, I have a hard time with that sometimes on social media because there's a lot of dumb people on social media. And they feel like, like I'm, you know, I can just say something really dumb and I want to clarify how dumb they are. Just bring my truth to this area. And I hear the Holy Spirit saying, you just need to be still. You need to relax and let me handle that. Be still and know. There's a lot about your life right now that you, you really would like to solve, but the truth of the matter is you can't solve. You need to just be still and know. So here's some little biblical advice. Two things you ought to do in 2020 right now. Number one, you need to give yourself a break. Rafa, give yourself a break. Relax. It's been a tough year. You need to recognize that. You've said some things you wish you hadn't have said. You've done some things that maybe without the pressure you've been under, you wouldn't have done. Give yourself a break. Forgive yourself. Move on. If you can fix the problem, you know, make restitution for the mistake. But if you can't, just move on. Either way, you got to move on. Give yourself a break. Here's the second thing. Give someone else a break. Because it's been 2020 for everybody this year. Can I hear an amen? It's a lot of pressure, a lot of stuff going on. People have said things they didn't mean to say. They've done dumb things that they wish they hadn't done. And you are never more like Jesus until you forgive someone who doesn't deserve it and is not even asking for it. Did you know to say, I forgave someone who didn't deserve it, that's a redundant statement. If they deserved it, it wasn't forgiveness. You ever thought about that? Every single person who's ever been forgiven didn't deserve it, including you. But to forgive a person who doesn't deserve it and is not even asking reminds me of Jesus hanging on the cross while they're killing him and mocking him. And he says, Father, what did he say, church? Forgive them. You're never more liberated. You'll never be freer than that moment that you just forgive people, that you just let go and let God. Rafa, relax. Let God be God in your life.